0: just over a month ago i gave a teaching the first teaching on spiritual guidance and uh, i'm picking up and doing a second installment on that in that first teaching i talked about a harbor small harbor in italy that is known to be very dangerous difficult to navigate there are hazardous rocks shoals it's very easy to suffer shipwreck. And I I suggest we're living in a time when it could be easy to suffer shipwreck. And so what they've done in that harbor, they have put three poles, and at the top of each pole, a strong light. And the sea captain knows navigating down that channel that if all the three lights are in sync, if they're all aligned, the boat is safe. BUT IF ONE OF THE LIGHTS IS OFF, THE BOAT IS IN DANGER. AND I TALKED IN THAT TEACHING ABOUT THREE LIGHTS THAT GOD HAS PUT THERE FOR US, THAT are, IF THEY ARE ALIGNED, WE CAN BE SURE WE ARE GUIDED IN THE RIGHT DIRECTION. BUT IF EVEN ONE OF THE LIGHTS IS OFF, YOU MAY BE HEADING INTO TREACHEROUS WATERS. SO WE TALKED ABOUT THOSE AND I SPOKE AT LENGTH ABOUT IT. THE FIRST TWO WERE KIND OF FAMILIAR TO PEOPLE. I TALKED ABOUT THE INWARD VOICE, SPENT SOME TIME TALKING ABOUT THAT. HOW DO YOU DISCERN BETWEEN WHEN GOD IS SPEAKING TO YOU VERSUS YOUR OWN IMAGINATION? THEN WE TALKED ABOUT THE SECOND LIGHT WAS THE MORE SURE WORD WHERE PETER TALKS ABOUT I HAD THIS EXPERIENCE. I WAS ON THE MOUNT OF TRANSFIGURATION BUT I EVEN WITH THAT EXPERIENCE I HAVE A MORE SURE WORD. AND THEN THE THIRD ONE, MANY PEOPLE DON'T MAYBE REALIZE THE IMPORTANCE OF THIS AND WE SHOWED IT FROM SCRIPTURE. THE THIRD LIGHT WAS GOD AT WORK IN YOUR CIRCUMSTANCES. WE OFTEN THINK OF MY CIRCUMSTANCES ARE NEGATIVE. WELL, HOW DO YOU SEE GOD AT WORK IN YOUR CIRCUMSTANCES? MANY PEOPLE MISS THAT. THEY SAY, WELL, I BELIEVE THE BIBLE SUPPORTS WHAT I WANT TO DO AND I KIND OF FEEL LIKE I WANT TO DO IT, BUT THEY MISS THAT THIRD. SO I'M NOT GOING TO RETEACH THAT. I HOPE YOU'LL GET IT. It's available. On, ON OUR DIFFERENT WEBSITES. IN FACT, I HAVE LIVED AND tried TO LIVE THAT WAY MYSELF BY THOSE THREE LIGHTS. AND SOMETIMES I HAVE NEGLECTED THEM AND I'VE ALWAYS HAD TO PAY A PRICE FOR THAT. YOU KNOW, GOD, God IS STILL GOOD. BUT even, EVEN YESTERDAY MORNING I WOKE UP. I WAS TRYING TO HAVE A LONG SLEEP BECAUSE IT WAS SATURDAY MORNING BUT I WOKE UP AND THE LORD REMINDED ME I WAS ABOUT TO MAKE A DECISION AND HE, he REMINDED ME OF THAT TEACHING THAT A COUPLE OF THE LIGHTS THAT I WAS TEACHING YOU TO HAVE AN ALIGNMENT WERE NOT IN ALIGNMENT FOR ME. AND I SAW IT AND I HAD BEEN STRUGGLING WITH IT SO I CHANGED MY DECISION. AMEN. IT'S A GOOD THING TO DO. I FELT VERY RELIEVED AFTER THAT BECAUSE, YOU KNOW, WHENEVER YOU'RE WILLING TO DO THAT, GOD HAS SOMETHING BETTER FOR YOU. EVERYBODY SAY, GOD HAS SOMETHING BETTER FOR ME. ALL RIGHT. SO WE'RE GOING TO PICK UP FROM THERE. LET'S READ a, A NEW TESTAMENT SCRIPTURE, JOHN 16, 13. When the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all the truth. Notice, guide. He will not speak of his own authority. but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. So the Holy Spirit in us is a guide. As many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the children of God. And and so to guide is to show the way. And may I suggest we live in a time when guidance is big business. You know, guidance is everywhere. Oh, every time you turn on the radio, there's some doctor or politician guiding you. Everybody from extrasensory perception and horoscope and psychics to people predicting the stock market and options trading. And, 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 and very often, when everybody is saying one thing, the opposite happens so guidance is everybody wants you to sign up for their newsletters so they can guide you so there's a big market a lot of people are seeking guidance spiritual counseling of course can be good if it is spiritual i'm just saying people are looking for direction and that's good the the greek word which is translated sin is hamashiya and it means miss the mark to be misguided We certainly don't want to be misguided. We don't want to miss the mark. And and, and the opposite of that is that the steps of a person who is made righteous by Christ's righteousness, that person's steps are ordered of the Lord. Amen? So so that's kind of a little introduction. I want to make some important statements today. Let's start with this. God proves himself. God is a guide. Just, Just know God is into the business of guidance fantastic story about a Babylonian king called Cyrus, Isaiah 42. God says to Cyrus, I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut down the bars of iron. I have even called you by name. I have named you though you have not known me. I'm the Lord and there's no other there's no God beside me I will gird you through though you have not known me so this Babylonian pagan king of him it is said God says I'm going to stir you I'm going to move on you I'm going to protect you notice He's not a believer. God is stirring on his heart at this time to help Israel to build the temple. That's what's going on here. But what I want us to see is this, God guides people that don't even know him. Think about that from your own life. Do you think before you came to faith in Christ, was there ever a time when God protected you? When God could have guided you, you hardly knew the name of Jesus. Could it be be that God was sparing you some impending potential disaster? How many believe that God's hand was on your life even before you came to faith? And if we believe that, we can also say God's hand is on others. Those that you are praying for, those in your family, could it be that God is at work on them? Because we know from this that God guides people who don't even know him. And so God is more eager for them to come to faith than you are. You know, God's guidance in the the case of Cyrus and in our case is for protection and provision. There's a New Testament story of of a man called Agabus and he received word to warn the church about a certain impending famine. SO THAT THEY COULD PROVIDE AND THAT THEY WOULD BE PROTECTED. SO WHEN GOD GUIDES YOU, HE IS YOUR PROVIDER. HE IS YOUR PROTECTOR. AND IN THE CASE OF AGABUS, WHAT THE WORDS HE SPOKE CAUSED THE CHURCH TO TAKE ACTION, TO DO SOMETHING ABOUT IT. AND I'M SO GLAD THAT'S THE TORONTO CELEBRATION CHURCH. THAT'S OUR WORLD IMPACT MINISTRIES FAMILY. WE TAKE ACTION. HOW MANY ARE GLAD FOR THAT? THEN I WANT TO MAKE A SECOND POINT. God's guidance comes through relationship that's God's modus operandi now there is a way that God guided on some few occasions before the coming of Christ it was called fleecing there was this person called Gideon and he actually knew God's will but he kind of wanted to get get more confirmation I, I, I mean, you can, you can go overboard on confirmation. He, so he made this deal. He said, God, I'm going to put some wool out on the grass. And after the dew comes in the morning, I want the wool to be wet and the grass to be dry. And then I'll know you've spoken to me. So the next morning it happened. And then he says, well, I want more, more confirmation. Well, he says, next time I want uh, I want to, uh, the, the gra- I want the grass dry and the wool wet. He's really fleecing this. And, and some people, Christians, do that. And I, I, I don't think, I'm not saying God could, God can speak through a donkey, so He can speak through stupid things. But, uh, well, not that donkeys are stupid. I'm just saying that He can speak in, in unusual ways. But it's not the modus operandi. God's spirit lives in you and so God guides you through relationships. Sometimes we tell stories. I've heard Nathan tell this, maybe you know I, I tell a story for example, uh, 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 of someone said to me one time, "Oh, God has shown me. He was a man, he said, I'm going to marry that girl." I said, "How did God show you that?" Because I looked at them and said, I'm not sure. I don't think that's going to, oh, God, show me. Absolutely, I know. I said, tell me more. I want to hear how it happened. Oh, she said, I was praying, and I said, Lord, you know, if after church, I'm going to go to Tim Hortons, and if she's there, that'll be the sign.'" I SAID, you, YOU SCOUNDREL. I SAID, YOU KNOW THAT SHE GOES TO TIM HORTON'S EVERY SUNDAY AFTER CHURCH, SO YOU ARE SETTING YOURSELF UP. And, AND THE GIRL, FOR MY understanding WASN'T AT ALL INTERESTED. And, AND SO HE WAS NOW TRYING TO SAY, OH, GOD SHOWED ME, TRYING TO PUT PRESSURE ON HER. You know, you, I, I KNEW I WAS GOING TO SEE YOU HERE. I HOPE THAT GUY DIDN'T COME in AFTER YOU GIRLS WHO WERE HERE. I, I just, I'M JUST SAYING, THESE STORIES, WE DON'T MAKE UP THESE ILLUSTRATIONS. That, I, I'VE ACTUALLY EXPERIENCED THIS. But you know friend that's not the gospel way that's not the new covenant way no, the way god does it he, he leads us he draws us he relates with us but he never forces he never coerces he never pushes us he works to relationship you know there's a beautiful chapter i'm not going to read the whole chapter where there's a description of god kind of longing for a relationship with israel where he could guide them. But they're kind of doing their own thing. And through Jesus, we transfer that chapter to us here today. Jeremiah chapter 2. God says, go and proclaim in Jerusalem, I remember the devotion of your youth, the love of your betrothals. You followed me in the wilderness through a land not sown. He said, do you remember Israel? Do you remember HOW LOVING, HOW INTIMATE. I DIDN'T HAVE MUCH TO OFFER YOU. THE LAND WASN'T AGRICULTURALLY DEVELOPED. IT WASN'T LIKE THERE WERE NICE PALM TREES AND MANGO TREES. IT WASN'T EVEN SOWN. BUT YOU HAD SUCH TRUST IN ME THAT YOU FOLLOWED ME INTO THIS DESERTED PLACE. YOU REMEMBER THAT, Jesus? MAYBE GOD'S SPIRIT IS SPEAKING TO SOME LIKE THAT TODAY. THEN HE SAYS IN VERSE 5, WHAT INJUSTICE. Did your fathers find in me that they went far from me and walked after emptiness and became empty? It's like I can say God is saying, Wh- Whatever wrong did I do to you? Did I treat you wrong? Did, did I do bad to you? Did I do some injustice to you? Did, did Jesus ever do you wrong? Come on, somebody. Did Jesus ever do you wrong? Did he ever condemn you? Did he hang hang you out to dry? No, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And so what they're doing is they're drifting away from spiritual guidance, God's guidance, into self-guidance. I'm just going to live my own life. And here's a picture in verse 13. uh, you, You know, there's a picture God speaks. My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, to hew for themselves cisterns, BROKEN CISTERNS THAT CAN HOLD NO WATER. SO LET'S JUST BREAK THIS DOWN BECAUSE YOU MAY NOT, MOST OF US DON'T HAVE WATER FROM A WELL, YOU KNOW, IF YOU LIVE IN THE CITY. AND SO uh, THE LORD IS SAYING HERE, THIS RELATIONSHIP CAN EITHER BE LIKE A WELL OR LIKE A CISTERN. HE SAYS, WE HAD A WELL. NOW, A WELL, YOU DIG, you dig A WELL AND YOU LINE IT WITH ROCKS AND YOU, and you TAP INTO SOME uh, GROUND WATER. THERE'S A VEIN OF GROUNDWATER THAT YOU TAP INTO. IT COULD BE CLOGGED. It, IT COULD BE DIRT IN THE WAY YOU GET THE DIRT OUT AND IT STARTS FLOWING. AND THEN if, THE MORE YOU DRAW FROM THAT WELL, THE GREATER THE FLOW BECOMES. And, AND CHANCES ARE YOU'LL TAP INTO AN UNDERGROUND STREAM AND THERE'LL BE LIKE CONSTANTLY WATER FLOWING. AND WHAT GOD IS SAYING, THAT'S HOW I WANT MY RELATIONSHIP TO BE WITH YOU. POINT YOURSELF in THE CHEST AND SAY, HE'S TALKING TO ME. And Jesus then uses the same example when he says, anybody comes to me and drink of the water I give, you're going to have a fountain of everlasting water springing up. You're going to have a fresh, beautiful relationship. It's going to be fresh water. Now, the opposite was the cistern. The cistern is just made of concrete or stone. Uh, it, it, it's, uh, and the water just sits there. It's not no inflow you've got to fill up the cistern and he becomes stale after a while undrinkable and so he said these are this is what our relationship has become It's become stale it's become ritualistic it's become ceremonial i never wanted to have that i wanted to have this living relationship oh i'm speaking to our church i'm speaking to churches across our country i think we got a lot of cisterns we got a lot of stale water we can get so accustomed to our little church attendance and doing our things but i tell you god by his spirit has fresh water so if that well has clogged up, whatever happened, maybe fear. Fear is a big well clogger. Whatever dirt came and plugged that up, and and you say, oh, I feel this, and you sort of rejection came in, and that plugged the well. And after a while, you say, I don't know what I want. I feel lonely, but I don't want to get out of my house. You say, well. WHICH WAY ARE YOU GOING TO HAVE IT? COME ON, WE NEED TO JUST START DRAWING A LITTLE BIT AND THE MORE YOU DRAW THEN YOU HIT THAT UNDERGROUND VEIN AND YOU SAID I'M NEVER GOING BACK TO THE CISTERN, I'M NEVER GOING BACK TO THAT THING YOU HAVE TO JUST THE WATER IS SITTING THERE STALE, I'M GOING TO HAVE THAT, OH, COME ON, SHOUT THROUGH YOUR MASK, SHOUT THROUGH, LIFT YOUR HAND AND SAY YES, THAT'S ME, I'M GOING TO HAVE A LIVING RELATIONSHIP WITH GOD, OH, Let me read another couple of verses here. Verse 19, Jeremiah, God speaks and he says, your own wickedness will correct you and your apostasies will reprove you. Know therefore and see that it is an evil and bitter thing for you to forsake the Lord. What he's saying here is, you know, if you decide to go for that cistern, life's going to get hard. There are life lessons that come your way, not God wanted them, they're tough, but it's just the way it's set up. If you want to do life without God or just insist on your own way, God still loves you. If you walk away from God, God loves you. But life becomes tough. You keep making decisions, you say, Oh, I I know this is not, you know, really right, but I'll do it anyhow. You keep doing that, and life will get tough. It's just the way, it's not that God is singling you out. That's the way God set things up. If you say, well. I'm going to get into this business. I'm going to marry this person. I'm going to do, I'm going to do. And then there's a price to pay. I'm not going to ask how many of you have paid such a price. Please don't lift your hand. We don't want to know. But you know, if you insist on something, you may get it. And then you say, well, I'm not so happy with what I got. And then he says in verse 24, a wild donkey accustomed to the wilderness sniffs the wind in her passion." In the time of her heat, who can turn her away? I mean, she just wants that female donkey. She's looking for a male, and you can you, you can't stop her. She's just sniffing in the wind. I guess that's how they do it. They sniff in the wind, and they say, "I feel something coming here." And and, and say, and he said, "That's how some of my people have become. You're just so stubborn, doing your own thing." And and, and then we pious and say, "Well, you know, God is in charge." god is in charge i told you when i gave the first teaching that i one of my first cars a big yellow dodge i had a sign bumper sticker says the lord has everything under control And that's about the only time in my life i've been rear-ended right on that bumper sticker and it was all my own fault it wasn't god at all i'm not going to tell you what i did again i told it in that service i did something stupid and got rear-ended and i've never put on a bumper sticker the lord has everything in control when you're driving your car you are in control of that car and you can ask god to help you but god is not going to micromanage if you do something stupid oh hallelujah that was a good truth uh, and, AND SO he, I PUT IT ON POWERPOINT THERE FOR YOU. GOD DOESN'T FORCE. HE ALLOWS, PERSUADES, AND PARTICIPATES WITH WILLING PEOPLE. LEAVE IT UP THERE FOR A MOMENT. SO IT'S NOT LIKE, WELL, GOD WOULDN'T LET YOU DO THAT. OH, YEAH, HE WOULD. WELL, GOD WOULDN'T LET ME. NO, HE'S NOT GOING TO LET YOU BE TEMPTED above WHAT YOU CAN BEAR, but, BUT IF YOU SAY, WELL, HE'S STILL THERE WOOING YOU, BUT YOU GO AHEAD, He's not going to stop you. He will allow you. But he will persuade. He'll speak to you. And if you're willing, he'll work with you. He's not not hands off. He's going to be there with you. But if you're willing, let us be willing. And then that ends in Jeremiah verse 4 in chapter 3. Will you not from this time call to me? It's It's like God is saying, come on, people. Will you not from this time call to me and say, my father, you are the guide of my youth. Can, can you feel the love in that? It's like God is saying to you, I love you so much. Well, I, I don't want us to be separated. I don't want you to get stuck in the court. Well, why, why don't you just call out of me, my father? Well, why, why, why don't we restore back to that time when, I I, I didn't look like I had anything to offer you. The land wasn't even sown, but you were there. You believed, and good things happened. And and you see, God is an awesome heavenly Father. You know, God is much better than any parent. And I hope there are many good parents in this room, I'm sure there's. God is a good God. You can come back to him. You can be restored to him. He's not going to, he says, well, you're doing some things. You're grounded for the next three years. No, that's not God. He's going to help you. Come on. Put your hand in the hand of the man who calmed the water. Put your hand in the hand of the man who still the sea. Come on. It's not dangerous. He's a loving Heavenly Father. So my first point was God is a guy. Second point was it happens for us in a tender relationship. It happens for us in relationship. I have four points to make. My third point is this, and I didn't, don't make this when I teach this on television. You have to come here because I'm speaking to our family. God's guidance comes to us in the context of a spiritual family. Everybody say spiritual family. This is a difficult topic to address, but I'm going to address it. Acts 20, 28 is one of hundreds of verses we could read where Paul says to the elders, the pastors, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among you, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So here it is. Who does the church belong to? It belongs to God. I never like when people say, oh, I go to your church. Or Nathan's church. It's not my, you're not my church. You're God's church. He purchased you with his own blood. And I don't like when pastors talk like that. It shows a certain ignorance. Oh, my church, my church. I don't belong to any man's church. I want to belong to the church that God purchased with his own blood. AND WE ALWAYS WANT TO MAKE A BIG POINT AND SAY THIS IS GOD'S CHURCH. GOD IS MORE INTERESTED IN THIS CHURCH THAN ANY ONE OF US ARE. GOD IS INTERESTED IN BLESSING THIS CHURCH. THIS CHURCH WAS RAISED UP BY A PROPHETIC WORD OF THE LORD AND THAT WHICH IS RAISED UP BY GOD, THE GATES OF HELL SHALL NOT PREVAIL AGAINST IT. PRAISE GOD. GIVE THE LORD A BIG PRAISE FOR THAT. SO THAT'S A BIG DEAL. HE PURCHASED IT. BUT THEN HE TALKS ABOUT OVERSEER SHEPHERD AND THAT'S DIFFICULT. IT'S OBVIOUSLY DIFFICULT FOR me to talk about being a shepherd because I am the founding shepherd of this church. It's difficult for, for Nathan. He is the lead shepherd of this church at this time. We work together, but he's the lead shepherd. So, but every time, you know, we as preachers start talking about our own role, you say, oh, what's he up to now? He's got an angle here. He's talking about it. Well, so it is a little difficult to address, but are you nice? Can I still address it? Because it's there in many, many, and so we take it extremely serious I find it distasteful when I hear our pastors making flimsy statements, a serious thing. I feel more like Moses saying, God, why did you make me the shepherd of this people? I'm not looking for more responsibility. I'm not looking to micromanage people's lives. I'm not looking to give direction because I feel the awesome responsibility of giving direction. So it's not an ego booster for me or for Pastor Nathan. If someone says, oh, I need you, Pastor. No, it's more like, really? Okay, because if I'm going to speak into your life, it's it's serious. I'm responsible. I'm accountable. Are you with me? There's so many people who just, it boosts their ego when when, when you say, oh, you you speak, you give me God. Oh, yeah, finally you came to the right guy. No, it's an awesome responsibility. We don't do it lightly. We think being an overseer means you are like in a drone and you see the big picture so you can't get too bogged down in the weeds because you see the whole picture it's responsible so i always say i want whatever i speak and teach and nathan feels the same way we are cut from the same cloth you know in that area in many areas that that we are accountable for what we say we are accountable Uh, it's not what we want to speak it's it's what putting others first so for example let me give you some specific areas for example we have consistently taught that jesus christ is our healer can i hear an amen to that but we also consistently say we do not despise medical science We, we we said we said luke was a doctor he traveled with jesus THAT HE TRAVELED WITH PAUL, SO THEY TRAVELED WITH A MEDICAL DOCTOR. WE HAVE HIGH ESTEEM FOR MEDICAL SCIENCE. and it's, BUT some, SOME CHRISTIANS, THEY SAID, OH, NO, IF YOU BELIEVE IN HEALING, WELL, YOU KNOW, MANY OF THEM DON'T LIVE UP TO WHAT THEY SAY. THEY CAN TAKE AN ASPIRIN. OOH, CAUGHT YOU. THEY CAN GO TO THE DENTIST. THEY CAN WEAR READING GLASSES. THEY CAN DO ALL kinds things. BUT SOME PEOPLE GET CAUGHT UP IN THAT. AND WE, IF I'M A SHEPHERD, IF I AM, a responsible person I wouldn't want even the weakest member in our church to be caught up in that so for example I'll talk to you since we're talking now openly we used to have a guest speaker came here great guy we love him, appreciate him. many of you like him in fact you asked why he's not coming back because when he was teaching on healing and I corrected him the first time and he refused to take the correction he left it That if you were taking medicine or going to the doctor you really didn't have faith even though i like the guy he is not coming back i went over well i said he's not coming back because i so even if it was the weakest member in the congregation would take that to an extreme and harm themselves that would be reason enough but we preach strongly that jesus heals he is my source. You know, I give my own testimony. I was in the hospital, so obviously I'm not against medical science, when Jesus Christ healed me. I was in the hospital. Doctors, several experts have told me my only hope was a very major, very long surgery, and I refused the surgery, not haughtily. I thanked the doctors, but I told them that God had spoken to me, and I said, you may not believe that, but they said they believed that and I walked out of the hospital not haughtily, not mocking them respecting them and we're not saying for anybody else to do that so that's what it means to be a it's not about oh I really like this guy he'll come and preach I don't matter what he say he's my buddy no no nobody here it's responsible being a shepherd in the church of God it's a responsible thing let me give you another example are, are you getting all this because it's it's very sad And I can say, well, you know, most of the people in our church, they will understand. They will understand. You know, they're not going to, yeah, most would, actually. But there's always that one. We sued the Ontario government uh, 13 months ago. I, I, I don't think it's ever happened in the province of Ontario that the church has sued the government. We did. We lost, but we won. Now, when we did that, we had the board of directors knowing what we were going to do but we were just oh wow cool let's sue the government no it was uh, how will that affect the church is this the right thing you know because everybody can make big statements on facebook and then erase them you know and so i'm so glad today looking back i can give the report i'm so glad that 13 months ago 14 months ago we sued the province of ontario for unequal treatment of churches i'm so glad we did And I want to say now we have 14 months or 13 months because the ruling came down mid-December 2020. We have a record now that after that lawsuit, even though they didn't grant us everything we wanted, the province of Ontario has never again in all the mandates, all the lockdowns, has never discriminated against churches as compared to box stores or Walmart and Costco. We've been treated exactly the same since that day. I am sure Doug Ford is not going to call me and say, well, it was because of your lawsuit. No, you know, they never admit anything. But I'm just saying, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But I'm going to say, I do believe that God led us to do that. We even had the Archbishop of the Roman Catholic Church speaking in favor of what we were doing in one of the Toronto papers. But we did it. It wasn't all the, it was our church. And I'm glad. Still been still been many restrictions, but we have been treated exactly the same as Walmart and Costco. Hallelujah. So I'm glad for that. But we didn't do it like, oh, it's cool. Let's do something. Let's, no, no. You, to be a shepherd is something serious. So I want to say to you, what I speak, I'm responsible for. You can hold me accountable for. I'm not out here preaching, and say, oh, can we get everybody really excited and jumping and running in the aisles? No, I, I-, I want to speak something that is truthful and helpful. And some people, you know, I want to ask you this. You know, we know that many people go to a church and listen to a preacher preach, but the preacher they listen to is not really their pastor. It's getting real quiet here now. I am under no illusion just because you come to Toronto Celebration Church and listen to Pastor Nathan and myself, that we are your pastors. Your pastor could be a television preacher from Timbuktu. That's the one you listen to. You do what he tells you to do. And then when that goes wrong and takes you to hell in the handbasket, you come here for prayer and say, well, you know, he said, we don't care what he or she said. We are responsible for what we say. Are you hearing me? I'm not responsible. I I thought he was just, I thought he was your friend. I'm not responsible for every friend that I have. I take it serious. Nathan takes it serious. We are shepherds. We are to speak words of guidance that bring help and blessing and prosperity. We would like to be your pastor. And you can and, and it will be a deep honor to me if you say, I feel like you're my pastor. I actually listen. I take it serious. You mean I don't know about everything, and I ask you a question, but that's a great honor because many people go to church every Sunday, and I'm not talking about our church, but the church they go to, they just fall asleep and look at their belly button while the preacher is preaching, and then they go home and have some other favorite. Oh, glory to God. Okay, I better get to my fourth point. Are we, are we doing good so far? My fourth point is my best, although this was pretty good. Give the Lord a big hand. Okay. GUIDANCE COMES TO ACTIVE BELIEVERS, BUSY SERVING GOD AND PEOPLE. IT'S LIKE I SAID, LIKE A TRAIN RIDE. YOU KNOW, WHEN YOU GET ON A TRAIN, THE MOST IMPORTANT THING IS THAT YOU GET ON THE RIGHT TRAIN. LIKE IF YOU'RE GOING TO GO FROM TORONTO TO VANCOUVER BY TRAIN, and, AND IF YOU GOT ON A TRAIN TO Halifax, YOU ARE IN TROUBLE. BUT ONCE YOU GET ON THE TRAIN to Vancouver you you can just sit in your seat and enjoy yourself you don't need to run every five minutes up to the conductor and say how's the fuel level how's the fuel level uh, uh, you know uh, what's happening go to the engineer how's it going here is everything going good you don't have to run around like that uh, so I'm nervous I know there's an underpass there's an overpass is it good no you just sit there relax put your earphones in and let the train carry you but see some Christians act perpetually like they're always on the wrong train. They get in, oh, I is, yeah, is this right? Should I do this? How is this? How's the fuel levels? You know, just relax. When you start moving with God, you are on the right train. And you just stay busy doing what there is to do on that train, and God is taking you places. Let me give you some examples. The story of Ruth. Listen to this. Ruth was from the land of Moab, and her husband had died, and she... Her mother-in-law was Naomi, and I'm going to jump right into the story. And so she was kind of forsaken. Things weren't good for her. It says in Ruth 2, Ruth said to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after one in whose sight I might find favor. Because what they did, if they were widows, they could kind of pick up the grain that was kind of didn't, uh, you know, fell by the, by the, on, the, on the ground. She said, let's see if somebody lets me do that. So she departed and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to. Everybody says she happened to. It just so happens when you're on the right train, good things happen. She just happened to come to the portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who was going to become her future husband, by the way. Who was going to marry the widow? She just happened. It it just seemed, you know, she didn't have a voice, a dream. An angel, the ground didn't shake, Gabriel didn't come, she was just there doing what was allowed to do, just picking up grain. I love, I don't often quote the King James, but the King James Bible really has this expression down path. Look at this here. It says there in verse 3 about Ruth, her hap. We don't talk ABOUT this. Her hap. WAS TO LIGHT ON A PART OF THE FIELD BELONGING UNTO Boaz. HER HAP EVERYBODY SAY HER HAP SO I WANT TO ASK YOU HOW'S YOUR HAP IS ANYTHING HAPPENING IN YOUR HAP I MEAN WELL WHAT HAPPENED TO RUTH SHE JUST HAPPENED TO GET A HUSBAND SHE JUST HAPPENED TO GET HER DESTINY SHE JUST HAPPENED TO BECOME THE GRANDMOTHER OF THE GREAT KING DAVID And she just happened to get in the lineage of Jesus Christ. And without any great word, she was just there doing stuff. Somebody, this year you're just going to happen to get married. It's just going to happen to you. I ALWAYS SAY MAKE SURE YOU'RE THERE when, WHEN IN THE DEBIT MACHINE LINE BECAUSE THAT'S WHERE THE GENEROUS uh, POTENTIALS ARE. <laughs> GET OVER THERE. You, YOU JUST GET TO CHURCH AND BE HERE AND THEN BE THERE AND JUST KIND OF PAY YOUR DEBIT MACHINE a CREDIT CARD THING and, AND JUST SAY WHO KNOWS, WHO KNOWS. BUT IF YOU'RE SITTING AT HOME JUST WAITING FOR SOMETHING, I DON'T THINK SOMEBODY'S COMING DOWN THE CHIMNEY, NOT EVEN THE SANTA CLAUS. YOU'RE GOING TO JUST BE STUCK THERE AND SO say, GET OUT. GET OUT AND ABOUT. Okay, she was, what's the key? She was busy doing life. Let me hurry. Here's another story. Eliezer was a chief employee of Abraham. So Abraham wanted his son Isaac to find a wife. It's a lot about finding spouses here today. Maybe that's prophetic for somebody. About to, Eliezer was, was said, you go going to find a wife. So Eliezer, he's looking for guidance. Remember, spiritual guidance is our topic. He's saying, oh, God, how am I going to find the right woman? I traveled all this way. It was a long journey. He had 10 camels with him. How am I going to find the right woman? How will I know? So he got this in his head and in his spirit. He says, when I see a real pretty girl, because I don't want to bring back someone who's not pretty, he said, I am going to ask her to give me some water. That was kind of a small request. And if she says, yeah, I'll give you water, and I will water all your camels that will be the sign so he was still fleecing but we're not him we're living now that's not the principle here Uh, and you know by the way watering camels they drink about 25 gallons so they're within 250 gallons of water which is about one thousand liters that's a lot of watering for one pretty girl come on are you with me and so i i hope she had some friends and family members to help her that's a lot of watering and so she did water them all and then we jump into the story. It says in Genesis, she said to him, I'm the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. That's in Abraham's family. Again, she said, We have, now, now the camels have been watered. She says, We also have plenty of straw and feed and room to lodge in. Then Eliezer, he bowed and worshiped the Lord and he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham. Who has not forsaken his loving kindness and his truth toward my master. As for me, here it comes. As, this is the whole reason why I tell the story. As for me, the Lord has guided me in the way. Say that. The Lord has guided me in the way. To the house of my master's brothers. So he said I was just going on my way praying and you know I didn't know quite where to do but I was still know I knew something I was supposed to go to this country and as I was on the way that's where guidance happened and I submit to you this is a principle look at uh, for example uh, Simeon and Anna they 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 were in the temple worshiping And so when Jesus came to be circumcised, oh, they had like an epiphany. Because they were just there where they always are. They were busy doing the things. They were busy and suddenly something happened and they become a part of the story and we know them as great prophets from that time. You see, it just happened in their way. It was their hap. They got to the right well. They got on the right train, if you wish. They were in the right temple. Uh, Ruth was in the right field. And so I said divine destiny happens to people who are busy with what's right before them to do. You know, the great Simon Peter who had that vision on the rooftop, when did it happen? He was so busy, it says in the previous chapter, he was making a tour of every town in Israel. So he wasn't staying at home and saying, I don't know, what should I do? I need a vision. I need God to speak to me. No, he was touring every town. And while he was busy doing that, all of a sudden he was interrupted by guidance. Same with Paul. He's busy. Nathan talked about this the other week. We talked about it often. He's trying to go to Bithynia. He's trying to go to Minor Asia. And while he's busy, he sees a man from Macedonia saying come and help us so uh, let me say this to you nicely god can speak through a donkey so i understand all that that's another principle but you know sometimes people say oh i'm staying. i haven't seen you for a while oh i'm just staying at home seeking the lord i'm staying by myself seeking the lord you know what every person in my life and i've been in ministry for like 200 years as you know not quite. That was an exaggeration. But, but more than anybody in this room, and most pastors in Toronto haven't been in as long as I have. I know I look young. Thank you for thinking that. Uh, even though you weren't thinking that. Uh, you, you know, people who say that, I have never seen anything good ever come out of it. Never. Now, you mean it never came anything good? Maybe it did. I'm just saying I haven't seen because God can use all kinds of things. But this idea, I'm going to withdraw. I'm just going to be by myself. I'm going to just lay there by myself. I'm not going to meet with anybody. I'm just going to seek the Lord. I don't know a single person in the entire New Testament that received guidance by staying at home, withdrawing, doing nothing. I don't know one. They were all every great guidance in the entire New Testament that I can think of. It happened to people who were busy and so I want to encourage you uh, be busy come on let's be busy for the Lord let's get involved Thank God, you know, tomorrow uh, things are changing. Another few weeks more change. It's time. We've Pastor Nathan is planning all kinds of great things for our church in the next few months. As he knows, people are willing to kind of, uh, some of these restrictions are falling off. And I tell you, it's not just about getting busy as a church. It's because being busy is where God's guidance comes. That's where God can speak to you. That's where you meet people. That's where you get around and you say, My life, oh, how did God open that door? I was just busy. Every door God has ever opened for me, it happened because I was busy. I was doing things. It was never because I had had nothing to do. I didn't know what to do. So the Lord said, look at little Peter. He has nothing to do. So we'll give him something. No. No, God looks at you and says, oh, look, there's a busy person. Look at how they're working in my kingdom. Look at them. They're involved. They're unstoppable. Let's give them more to do. In fact, what they're doing, maybe somebody else can do that because I'm going to give them a new task. That's how it works. Come on, give the Lord a big praise for that. All right, all right, all right, all right. So, okay. I've certainly given you enough to think about, haven't I? Spiritual guidance. I want to remind you, I said this in the first teaching, but I'm going to be very quick. Three minutes, that's all. There's certain attitudes in our heart that make us open to God's guidance. One is a teachable heart. Psalm 32 says, don't be like the horse or like the mule. Don't be stubborn like the mule. You know, be soft. Then a second one, a heart for God's will. Jesus said in one place, if you have a heart for me, you will know my will. That's why I never want to talk about my ministry, my church, my, 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 my. It's God's. It's God's. We belong to God. And then compassion. Compassion is so important. I want to read this verse again because it's worth pondering. Final verse Isaiah 58 10. If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul. Now, let, let me pause before we read the rest of it. In the last five chapters of Isaiah, very often when he talks about hungry and thirsty, it is sometimes he's talking about physical hunger and thirst. But especially in the last five chapters of Isaiah, it's speaking of spiritual hunger. He says, Ho, oh, everyone who thirsts, come and drink, come and eat freely. So it's speaking of spiritual hunger here, but it could apply to both of them. So it says, if you extend your soul to the hungry, satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness, and your darkness shall be as the noonday. So when it's dark for you, when 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 it's tough for you it's still going to be comparable to others as a high noon for them oh come on that's that's great the lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bone you shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail he will guide you continually oh thank god for that i'm so glad i i i just I TELL YOU, I HAVE A TOUGH TIME WITH CHURCH WHEN WE ONLY THINK ABOUT OURSELVES. I, I FEEL it's SO EMPTY. I FEEL SO SHALLOW. I'M SO GRATEFUL FOR OUR FAMILY, OUR CHURCH FAMILY WE CALL TORONTO CELEBRATION CHURCH. I'M GRATEFUL FOR THE, the, the WORLD IMPACT PARTNERS ALL ACROSS OUR COUNTRY BECAUSE THERE'S SOMETHING BUILT INTO OUR DNA. IT'S ABOUT OTHERS. OTHERS ACTUALLY MATTER. I, I SAY TO PEOPLE, PEOPLE SAY TO ME, "Well, oh, I WANT TO GET INTO ministry. I WANT TO BE A PASTOR. I SAY, WHY? well I just like preaching I said well that's the wrong reason oh people tell me I'm really good at preaching well I said sit down we don't need people good at preaching you can develop that later you can be lousy at preaching and become a good preacher you do it you do it a thousand times you come pretty pretty good at it Uh, it's like anything I said what we need is people who understand that ministry is others you're not saying things to impress you're saying things to help others to reach their full potential you're saying and teaching things to help families that they can live in a way that their children will not walk away from church and walk away from god you're saying things that matter to people that's what we need and then if you're not really a good speaker a good communicator i'm not very good myself you just keep good doing it enough and you ought to get a little better at it come on now that's what we're looking for compassion and i thank god for this church family, that you are like that. I feel that. You know, some people, why, why did Megan show that thing from Myanmar? I don't know, why are you showing that Myanmar video? And that nothing to do with me. Oh, don't make me throw up here right now. Uh, uh, see, that, uh, it has everything to do with us. That's who we are. We think beyond ourselves. It's not God bless us for and no more. No, it's God bless everybody through me. I'm, I'm a channel. I'm open. That's where God. Come on, stand to your feet right now. Stand up all over this room.